Hi, this is Jason Hill on the We Belong Here podcast. Today I'm with Jordan Weatherill. We're going to talk about non-traditional students in higher ed. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing really well, Jason. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Enjoying this beautiful weather. <laughs> I, I know. I, well, we both rode our bikes here uh, yep. and uh, I felt like if I didn't ride my bike here, I'd be doing a disservice yes. to the incredible Boston weather that we're getting to experience today. <laughs> I hundred percent agree. And actually, so we didn't know each other before and I saw you riding your bike in and it took me a while to uh, lock up my bike. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this person is probably thinking I'm incompetent. Like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was struggling. You know? Hey, but, yeah. but it's locked up. Yeah. No one's going to take yeah. it oh, and, and we're going to yeah. have a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so you, uh, Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're coming from. Yeah, like what what's exciting you here? Yeah, I, so um, I originally grew up in West Texas. I grew up in Midland, Texas, uh, and went to high school out there, um, and then went to the University of Texas at Austin, um, which is kind of where my passion and, and uh, our a lot of our conversation is probably going to center around today. Um, after that, I was a teacher in Denver, Colorado. And uh, was a specifically a special education teacher um, and did that for a couple of years, met my wonderful and beautiful spouse um, and we got married. Uh, and after that, we went to Chicago. Uh, so I lived in Chicago most recently and was working at the Illinois State Board of Education. After that, uh, came here. And um, and so, yeah, I, I am like just so glad and thankful um, to be here. A lot. My family has ties here uh, just uh, my my oldest brother um, has had a number of surgeries actually, and, and was at Boston Children's, and so I kind of wow. grew up uh, going to Boston mm -hmm. and um, coming up here, and and now it's you know we're getting to come up here for a much different reason and yeah. a much more exciting and, and happy reason. But never in a million years did I think I was ever going to go to the Harvard <laughs> Graduate School of Education. And here you are, <laughs> yeah, and here we are. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit of my story. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing. Um, you said you were from West Texas earlier and uh, now you just at Midland, which brings back the the movie Friday Night Lights. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Which yeah. is funny because I, yeah, yeah. You, like I said earlier, you used to be a sports fan. So. Yeah. 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 I, that's, that's what most people think of when they mm -hmm. think of Midland. Yeah. And then if they've been to Midland, mm -hmm. um, they said, oh yeah, I've driven through there. So <laughs> Yeah, can't blink. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, so I'm going to ask you a what I'm going to call a timestamp question. Uh, so if you had to use one or two words to describe how you're feeling after the August term course preview and registration week, what would mm -hmm. they be? Um, yeah, so I'd say two words, relief. Uh, I think Andrew Ho was totally right whenever he was talking about, um, you know, and for for those of you who, who may not know or don't remember, but um, he at one of our introduction um, meetings for education policy and analysis, which is the program I'm in, um, they showed a chart and they sequenced the days of the week where mm -hmm. Monday mm -hmm. was 
you know, you're getting a little stress Tuesday, you're getting pretty stressed <laughs> Wednesday, you're pulling your hair out. Mm. And and then Thursday, the, the drop off where, you know what, I figured out most of my classes yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm done. And then Friday you're cruising um, and I, I feel like I'm finally cruising. It's Friday, oh, baby. Yeah, you know? I know. So I, I know. feel like I'm finally cruising. <laughs> I'm feeling relief. Yeah. Um, and then I think the second word I'm feeling is hopeful. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm feeling really hopeful for a really phenomenal semester ahead in a semester full of learning and friendships and um, doing really good work. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm feeling relief and hopeful. Wow. Very, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, and it actually sounds like that they scaffold stress for us like mm-hmm. <laughs> with that example you gave of mm-hmm. the, the chart, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I needed it. Yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah. know that I needed it. <laughs> so you, you mentioned a really good topic that is close to you and, and non-traditional students in higher education. Um, <laughs> last night I, I Googled like non-traditional students in higher education. And one of the first articles, web pages that came up was in New York or the U S news that had this statement. College students may be classified as non-traditional because of their age employment status, or because they have one or more dependents or independent for financial aid or enrolled part-time or don't have a traditional high school diploma, among other reasons, according to the National Center for Education Statistics. So as a, we just got out of evidence class. So as a good researcher, I went to like the National Center for Education Statistics. I'm impressed. (laughs) Excellent work. Yeah. 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 And they broke down three like criteria for non-traditional or traditional students into three criteria. Um, One was enrollment pattern. So uh, did not graduate. Um, so non-traditional students did not graduate, uh, directly out of high school and enroll, um, in a full, as a full-time student in a four-year university or college mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to financial and family status. So folks who, uh, have dependents, single parents, um, are independent of their parents working full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I can name many of the people in, in those situations or, Three criteria three high school graduation status so did not receive a high school certificate which in the u.s high school diploma um but folks can get a completion via a GED, ged um what so what does being a non-traditional student mean to you uh and does your own journey fit into one or more of these criteria um of being a non-traditional student yeah, I think that the conversation, first of all, I don't think that the conversation about what it means to be a non-traditional student um, occurs enough. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that we talk about what it means to be a non-traditional student or to to be in spaces where we feel like um, we're the outlier, mm-hmm. we're the outsider due to one or more identity markers. And so I think that this conversation is deeply important and specifically in Midland, um, uh, which is where I grew up, mm-hmm. you know, less than uh, uh, 40% of high school graduates uh, go on to a normal four-year university or college. Got it. And so um, I, where, where I grew up, um, I grew up in a, uh, a city that was predominantly uh, Latino mm-hmm. and um, my uh, family, you know, I, I'm, I'm white, uh, and, uh, my family was, 
certain that they wanted me to go to college. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, my both of my parents went to college and so I was not first generation. Um, but I had a really difficult time in high school. Um, I experienced a lot of bullying mm-hmm. and a lot of, um, othering mm-hmm. due to, uh, you know, various reasons mm-hmm. and, and identity markers, um, that it just made it really difficult for me to feel mm-hmm. like I could get a quality education mm-hmm. and that I could, that I was welcome, that I was, uh, um, uh, supposed to go to school and right. that I could learn there. And, you know, we know that it takes uh, a sense of safety mm-hmm. in order to be able to learn in any environment. Yep. And, um, and when we're not learning from safety, mm-hmm. you know, we're taking on those pains and hurts and often, uh, practicing them to other people. Yep. And so I, uh, graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And even though I had an incredible academic experience at my small Christian classical private school, <laughs> which was, a whole, you know, is yeah. a whole thing. Uh, and, and I, I chose, uh, I, I was actively choosing not to go to college. Got it. So I did not uh, follow the traditional linear path of going straight from high school to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, thought that I wanted to go in a Christian ministry, which was one of the only places that I felt safe. Mm. And one of, which was one of the places that um, I thought that I could help others, pe- uh, other people feel safe. Mm. And so um, I... Uh, chose to uh, uh, forego college and um, I had applied to the University of Texas, had got in and deferred and said, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go immediately. I'm going to take a gap year. And that's actually what brought me up to Boston for the first time on my own, um, where I lived here and worked with a small church plant. And so uh, I, I lived here, worked at the small church plant and, um, uh, had an incredible experience and it was a really healing experience in a lot of different ways, um, where I kind of learned what it looked like for me to be valued and me to be safe and for me to have uh, a space where I could learn, um, uh, and grow as a person and and not feel attacked. And so that was a a big part of my journey and Mm -hmm. choosing to take that gap year. And I want to acknowledge that that's a privilege that a, a lot of folks don't get the opportunity to be able to take gap years or sometimes it's a cultural thing and it's not really a cultural thing here in America for people to take gap years. Um, and some people are forced to take gap years in order to be able to work. Um, and you know, I, I was, I was working at this church plant. Um, but you know, I, I, uh, largely chose to take this, uh, non-linear approach to higher education. Um, and I think that that also, advantaged me in a lot of different ways whenever I finished that gap year and did choose to go to college. Um, I felt like I was safe enough Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like I had grown enough and and grown in my resiliency and healed enough in order to be able to enter back into a space um, where, you know, critique is common. Yeah. And where competition is common. Yep. Um, And then finally went 
to college. So I'll stop there. Yeah. Wait. So, so did you, what was your major? Like, yeah. 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 And, you? and so, I, and, and then that was also a really uh, funny thing where, um, I think it also allowed for me to be able to be a little bit more free and independent in choosing my major mm-hmm. where, uh, I was one of the first cohort of a new major mm-hmm. called communication and leadership at, uh, the university of Texas at Austin, um, and the Moody college of communication. So it, it was, I believe the first or second year mm-hmm. ever yep. of this major. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of like a, a really small cohort yeah. of people right. and, um, it was a really interdisciplinary major and we could kind of study whatever we wanted to. Um, and we, you know, it was often a lot of stuff around, uh, advertising and marketing being in a communication school, yeah. but it was also about leadership and yeah. what ethical leadership looks like, uh, what, um, uh, what it means to be a follower. Uh, because without followers, you don't have good leaders. Yep. Um, and what it means to uh, not just lead, but lead ethically mm-hmm. and yep. choosing to lead to a better and brighter future um, within organizations, outside of organizations with you know doing advocacy work, all of that stuff. And so that was a really big part and component of my journey. Right. Um, and it also attracted a really interesting crowd of people Got it. <laughs> uh, of other, um, even more non-traditional students. Uh, so eclectic group, a yeah, very yeah. eclectic group. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, it was one of the most diverse majors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had, you know, uh, one of the, um, highest number of, uh, students of color had, um, a higher number of, um, veterans, mm-hmm. uh, that were coming back from, uh, their, their work, um, abroad. Um, it had a higher number of student athletes. Um, it had a higher number. There was, there was actually a pretty high um, number of Latina women mm-hmm. who were coming in and that have done incredible advocacy work uh, all across Texas. Wow. And so um, it had this really diverse group of people that I think is not necessarily present in a lot of other majors, uh, which was a huge marker because a lot of our classes were case studies somewhat similar yeah. to the stuff that we're doing here. So it was a lot of discussion. I uh, got it. Yeah. 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 Yep. So there was a real diversity of perspective and opinion. There it's were needed. folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, there were folks with kids that were also college students right. and, and, uh, were going to school full time or part time. Uh, while also taking care of their children. Um, and it helped me to open up my eyes to what it mean, what, what it means to be a non-traditional student. And it really became a much more inclusive place where I found, um, uh, that education cannot just be, uh, you know, a space where we, uh, you know, are super academically critical (laughs) and then we leave the classroom and we're totally different people, but where we can bring our whole selves Mm -hmm. to the spaces where we're learning Absolutely. Um, and where those spaces can be um, positive places for growth and for hope um, and for real connection. Absolutely. Thank you. And you, you, you touched on so much. I want to cycle back or, or go back uh, to talk about, so, you know, some, some of the foundational things in terms of having or not having a sense of belonging, psychological safety, you, you went through a process where you joined a group in, in the Boston area, which was healing. It, it sounds like a, a ton of like growth moments for you. Mm-hmm. Like what, how, how would you 
outside of the a chronological perspective, how would you like describe the growth that you experienced mm. um, in, in maybe in the healing uh, space that you you had in Boston? Yeah, I think that whenever uh, and I think that this is true of most people, that whenever we experience pain or hurt or trauma, we um, turn inward mm-hmm. and we can become um, inadvertently, we, we can become somewhat selfish people that are self-protective. Yeah. And so I think coming here and working at a church plant doing uh, ministry was a really healing process because it helped me to not turn so inward and helped me to turn outward um, and helped me to look at other people and to um, uh, one of one of my uh, colleagues that just won uh, teacher of the year Mm -hmm. in Illinois um, Brianna Morales she uses this phrase, uh, we turn our pain into power. Mm, yeah. And I found, I found it really compelling, um, and really encouraging. I think it was this, you know, in the moment, uh, it, there were these really hard moments of me growing you know, cause I was, I was pretty young. I was 17, 18 yeah. years old. And, uh, I was, uh, really dealing with a lot of pain and hurt from a lot of my past relationships and being stuck around being in, in a really small private school. Yep. It was, you know, really challenging. Um, but I, I think that it was a really growing process because it helped me to realize that I was, um, being selfish mm-hmm. and turning inward, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and not being able to look outward. Right. Um, and we have to, uh, it, we have to really deal with our pain. Yeah. And, um, and so I think it helped me to process a lot of that pain, in relation, you know, first in relationship with others absolutely, and to do so in a way that was through love and service. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was really powerful. And, and I think lastly, um, I was working with Dane Helsing mm-hmm. from Beacon church and, um, it just helped me to realize that people, that I'm valuable and yeah. that people care about me absolutely. and that I can provide that space for other people. Cause mm-hmm. Dane, provided that for me. And so did his wife, Laura. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was a huge part of my growth and I didn't, I hadn't experienced a lot of spaces like that, um, in my life before, you know, my parents were incredible people and loved me so well. And I hadn't experienced a lot of that outside of the home. And Mm -hmm. so it helped me to finally say, okay, no, the world is not just a place of pain and hurt and turmoil. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll also say that at the end of that gap year, going into my freshman year, uh, did uh, a lot of therapy mm-hmm. and therapy is a really good <laughs> yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people should go to it. Yeah. And that helped me to kind of, um, come up with words and frameworks mm-hmm. to experience, to, to further experience a lot of healing and absolutely. growth. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I really appreciate your, your comments on the, it, like turning inward versus, uh, Potentially like the the power and the, like self-preservation even mm-hmm. that that like could help maintain and, and like that that happens in different ways for different people. And I think that for sure, you, you, you mentioned earlier the the privilege in a sense to choose to go into an environment where, you know, like luckily it was this healing space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a, you know, similar like moment of a healing space when I first went to college, mm. um, my first year in, in a way where I was able to reflect that 
not everyone you know really ever gets that time you know yeah. to to yeah. get that you know so I think it's like really in, in like powerful and empowering that you had that like in an education space mm-hmm. or, you know, in the space where it, your growth was, was centered. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Can I ask you, Jason, mm-hmm. what, oh, what was, what was that experience like for you Ooh. for, for <laughs> you to be able to heal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that, that will take many episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think really sp- Space, uh, like where I believe we're both in the education and uncertainty class mm-hmm. um, together, and I, I have like my own experiences in which most of my life, outside of my adult life, was like full of uncertainty mm. from family circumstance, from you know surrounding circumstances mm-hmm. uh, that have you know both like l- national relational policy implications. <laughs> all levels Mm -hmm. of context. Um, and so really for the first time being able to step outside of the bubble in which I had, you know, no choice of, uh, being born into as a, you know, black American male in the Southeast United States of America. Um, it, it, yeah, allowed me like space to realize, uh, I was like living in some fight and flight responses. Mm -hmm. And I I like your analogy or earlier of like (laughs) hurt people, hurt people. Right. You know? And so I, I've, you know, in, in many ways feel as though like that, that is like a continuous like process of, for me at least to trying to understand, uh, how, how to better support people, uh, and, you know, uh, contribute less harm and, you know, hurt into the world. And right. I think that that began in a way, in a, in a significant way with like my own healing journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We, and at some point we will, I, I'll share more, but I feel like I'm elusive sometimes with my, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. but I think the, the wisdom and insight that you mm-hmm. talked about feels so deeply mm-hmm. true and yeah. relatable mm-hmm. that, um, when we, when we don't deal with our own pain, yeah. we tend to perpetuate it Yeah, and hurt. Yeah. I think hurt people do indeed hurt people, but yeah. I think it, it, often is this realization of what do I even do with my pain? Yeah. Yeah. What do I, yeah. yeah. What do I even do with my relational pain Mm -hmm. and how, you know, for non-traditional students and whether that's not traditional because you didn't follow a linear path or because of an identity marker that you're carrying into the learning spaces that you're entering, that, um, education can be truly healing and truly liberatory Mm -hmm. as you learn and discover the world in a new place. But, but also you being centered Mm -hmm. and your growth being centered creates such a a space for you to feel valuable absolutely, and for you to feel safe and for you to be able to bring experiences and grapple with them Mm -hmm. and spaces where you are safe yep. and valued, um, and where you're not going to get everything right, right. And it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. It's okay to like make mistakes. Yeah. And I think that that is what really, that those are some of the really beautiful things about education. Absolutely. And that's a part of the reason why I think I, I keep coming back to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and why I'm here, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Well put. I agree with, with all of that. So what does it mean for you to be here? Like, like when, you reflect on your, your story and, you know, I feel like we could be in a conversation for a whole day just to even talk about like the nuances of what a lot of different things meant. But when you reflect on like you being here now, what, what does that mean for you? Hmm. 
Yeah, I think it means a lot of things. I think one that um, I so I never would have applied to this school unless my wonderful wife had suggested Mm -hmm. that I should. Yeah. Um, Never in a million years did I think that I would have uh, what it takes to Mm -hmm. come here. And um, I think. You know, I think a part of that is it comes back to the scar of yeah. feeling like I was, you know, never good enough mm-hmm. because of the educational spaces that I had been a part of uh, previously. And so, I think it means like the fulfillment of a dream. Mm. Like it really has been a, a dream of mine to be able to come here and and study uh, uh, not just in Cambridge, but sp- specifically at schools where every single person that I've met mm-hmm. here ha- has been um, wonderful and insightful and, uh, has incredibly unique and powerful experiences. Yeah. Um, and has like done really incredible things and will continue to do really incredible things. Absolutely. So I think it, it, to me, it feels like it's a fulfillment of a dream, Mm. you know, having come up here and, and lived in Boston and, and done ministry here, having come up here because of my brother's, um, uh, surgeries at Boston children's, I think all of those things, uh, kind of culminate and feel like, Oh, like this, that, you know, I'm supposed to be here yeah. Um, yep. and it helps me to feel like I belong mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it also means that, uh, it gives me like hope and ambition for the future mm-hmm. of like, okay, mm-hmm. I think that I can contribute to Absolutely. this, this work that we call education. So Absolutely. I think that's what it means to me. Oh, absolutely. And you have contributed and you are contributing. And so I, I always like to remind myself in, <laughs> try to get the, the moment and offer the unsolicited input um, when, you know, people like future frame themselves and like, and, and you're doing it, you know? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Reference. I think it's true. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so are, are there any things that we haven't touched on that you want to, to go to? Yeah. I think, I think that, whenever it comes to higher education Mm -hmm. that we tend to be prescriptive Mm -hmm. on, um, who, uh, who's made it and (laughs) who, you know, Oh, we've made it because we go to Harvard, which is just not true. Uh, it's not true in a lot of different ways. And I think that it's funny because whenever I tell people that I, go to Harvard. Yeah. Um, like, wow, you must be really smart. And I said, no, I'm actually really good at tricking the admissions. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I think it's, it's a really serious question of the people that we invite into spaces, yeah. um, it, specifically in higher education. Yeah. We know that higher education is correlated to better socioeconomic outcomes in the future. Mm-hmm. We know that you have a higher likelihood of um, being able to take care of your family yep. and of, um, living a, a staple, um, and thriving life Absolutely. that you're like, you're more likely to have, um, the resources that you need in order to be able to accomplish the things that you want. Right. All of that to say, um, I think that we have a stereotype mm-hmm. for who, um, should and who shouldn't mm. be able to access these spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really deeply important that we deconstruct that yeah. because I think, 
um, being an, uh, being a, a non-traditional student, um, you know, having taken a gap year mm-hmm. largely due to my mental health yep. and, um, having experienced, uh, really significant challenges during college, uh, due to my mental health, even while, you know, going through therapy, right. um, I specifically wrote on my application, mm-hmm. Hey, you'll notice that I only took six credit hours yep. the fall of my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because I was severely depressed. Yeah. And so I think that I felt like I was somewhat non-traditional because I couldn't maintain full-time status. Right. I had to take a gap year. Yep. Um, you know, for other people, they have even more significant challenges yep. of dropping out of college yep. due to external factors Absolutely. or due to their own health, um, you know, uh, of people um, taking non-traditional routes to their career. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that was also true for me. I didn't train to become a teacher. Teacher. Um, but I did become a teacher, you know, I didn't study education, but I, but my love and my experience, for, my experiences for it have driven me to become a special education teacher and then eventually drove me here. And so I think that we really have to deconstruct mm-hmm. the idea of what it takes to become a successful student or for students that have made it. Yeah. Um, because I think that that's, it's foolish. Right. To be able to say, okay, you can only do this thing if you have studied oh, yeah. your whole life for it, right? <laughs> Jumping through the hoops, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and it's almost like a, it's almost like a forcing people to grovel before the throne of, <laughs> you know, this pre- prescribed ma- manner or way to mm-hmm. do this thing. Yep. Um, and certainly there are benefits to uh, studying specific tasks uh, or specific subjects um, and becoming better at those and with more practice and more time. But I think largely that non-traditional students are um, going to be the future mm-hmm. because people uh, have their own unique stories and experiences. And those that come to higher education it is a gateway for a brighter future and mm-hmm. in, in my perspective, and we really need to be careful in the way that we have these conversations mm-hmm. and make sure that they're inclusive, um, to be able to allow for people to tell their own stories mm-hmm. for people to be able to ha- you know, be exactly who they are. And every person has their own unique talents and giftings. And when we, um, have these prescribed stories of you go straight from high school to college <laughs> yeah, or, Oh man, there's no way that you can go to college now that you have kids right? or there's, you know, no way that you can go back to college. You're in your forties, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's, it, I think it's really foolish. And I had a lot of those conversations with folks, um, and I saw them doing it yeah. in college yeah. Yeah. and I see them doing it here. Absolutely. There are Absolutely. parents yeah. that are here at Absolutely. this school. There are people that are in their, you know, at the end of their careers yep. and going back to school. There are people here that have never stepped foot in a classroom, but are so deeply passionate about education and are actively contributing to it now um, and are, are doing an incredible job. So I think that that is you know, one thing that I'm really deeply passionate about, um, and that I think it's really important that we open our minds and, um, open our ears to listen Mm -hmm. and to be more thoughtful. Thank you for some closing questions. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite thing or place in the surrounding Cambridge, Boston area, food, bookstore, places to hang out, you name it. 
So I've recently discovered my favorite coffee shop. Okay. Pharaoh Cafe. Um, Tell it me is, more. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to ask yeah, twice. Yeah. <laughs> I will for sure tell you more about Farrow. So Farrow Cafe is really phenomenal. Um, they are just down the street uh, behind, uh, somewhat behind the Smith uh, Center. Okay. And um, so if you keep heading down Rattle, then you'll get to Farrow Cafe. They're phenomenal. I'm a huge coffee drinker. So, uh, you, you know. As much coffee as I can intake, yeah, that's how much I'm going to have. So, Pharaoh is phenomenal. Um, I also uh, live closer to downtown, mm-hmm. and just absolutely love Boston Common. I yeah. mean, it's one of my. It, I love running, running in the Common. I love running down Commonwealth Ave. Yeah, um, and love uh, running across the Charles. Yeah. Um, on the rivers, it's, it's it's really wonderful. So, those are some of my favorite things. But specifically, getting to explore. Back Bay, I mm-hmm. think, has been a really phenomenal uh, experience, and uh, Copley Square is, I think, one of the coolest just amalgamations of the old and the new. Um, so, those are some of my favorites personally. But there is absolutely nothing like getting a book and <laughs> posting up yeah. um, at one of the, you know, be- somewhere in the yard and just getting the chance to read. So absolutely, have been some of my favorites. Oh, perfect! Thank you for sharing. Last question. What makes you feel like you belong here at the Harvard Graduate School of Education? I think it's people like you, mm-hmm. Jason. I think it's <laughs> yeah. I think it's people like you that um, we we all have vastly different experiences, um, and I, we you know we have both brought up uh, our race in this conversation in yep. different ways. Um, but the fact that you and I can come together um, and come to the table uh, because of our our mutual desire to make this world a better place, yep. to learn how to change the world, and um, that we all have our unique talents and experiences, but are willing to engage in conversation with each other um, to listen to each other's passions. I, I felt really welcome here. Um, just in, we, you know, over 50% of the students here are international yeah. students. Yep. And so I think it's been really incredible to be able to hear each person's unique stories, but, totally. but an incredible willingness to engage and listen um, and for us to be able to be our most full and authentic selves. Um, that's what has helped me to feel like I belong here is just the relationships that I have with my peers. The professors are also pretty wonderful, <laughs> I'll admit, but, yeah. <laughs> but really with, with, the, with my peers has been um, the thing that's made me feel like I belong here. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I can't wait to run into you in class and maybe even at the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think you hit, hit on so many important points today. And uh, thank you for providing your, your perspective and sharing your story. I, I, I really value that. And it takes a lot of vulnerability as well. So uh, we'd love to have you back. And until next time, I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful weekend. I hope the same for, for you, Jason. I'm excited to see you in classes um, and excited for future conversations. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. This is Jason Hill on the We Belong Here podcast. If you want to be on the show, please reach out to me. My email is jasonhill at gse.harvard.edu. Looking forward to it.